Hey, everyone. Welcome to Lock on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. LeBron James is taking control of his injury narrative. That's next. You are locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everyone for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcasts. Always free. Never going to be behind a paywall. And Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show, uh, to engage with us, leave us comments, leave us questions. We love to use the, 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 the all that stuff from the channel on the show. But more importantly, you get to uh, hang out with a fan uh, community of Lakers fans, about 14,000 people strong. So plenty of people there to interact with and uh, get angry with and get excited with. Uh, depending on what the Lakers do on any given night. And Friday, Andy, is a massive game for the Lakers with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, whoa, is that a big one? Um, yeah, um, particularly if, and I know it's weird to wrap your head around this, but if the Clippers can do the Lakers a favor as of this recording, um, the Clippers were playing the first end of this back-to-back that OKC has in L.A., and they are up 18 points with Eight left in the fourth as of this recording. By the time we wrap up, game may be over. We'll be sure to let people know. But the Clippers, if nothing else, are doing their part to tiring out the Thunder. Yep. And uh, it is not to the best of my knowledge been formally uh, declared whether or not Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to play in the second end of this back-to-back. Um, given the importance of these games for the Thunder, it would not shock me in the slightest, particularly since Mark uh, Mark Dagnall has said that that is now on the table. Right, he's he not, hadn't played in the last few. SGA is not necessarily on a protocol where they decided three weeks ago or a month ago that he wouldn't be playing in these games. It's just when he what? came back from his injury, uh, or that they or said at he, least right away he wouldn't be able to play. Right, I was going to say, or if nothing else, whatever program protocol SGA has been on they've been consistent with their messaging. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what he's formally been allowed, not allowed to do, what's been predecided, whatever. Everybody just is in lockstep with what they say publicly. Could be. Um, either way, no matter what uh, the result of that game is, win or lose for the Thunder on um, on Thursday, the game Friday is just of massive importance. Pelicans win on Thursday as well. So they're uh, kind of quietly keeping themselves alive in the race for the top 10 in the Western Conference. So plenty to watch there. We're going to talk a little bit. D'Angelo Russell had some uh, really interesting stuff to say, um, both about his potential future in L.A. and just about how he's uh, evolved as a person since his first stint. Um, That came out of practice on Thursday. And so we'll talk about that. And um, before that, though, Andy, an update on LeBron James delivered by LeBron James. Uh, He has given everybody an update on how he's feeling and what's going on with that foot. 
uh, this on his Twitter page. There wasn't an evaluation today, meaning Thursday, and there hasn't been any target date for my return. I'm just working around the clock every day, three times a day, to give myself the best chance of coming back to full strength whenever that is. God bless y'all sources. Face palm emoji on, you know, whatever. I speak for myself. Um, there you have it, Andy. He's working three times a day to uh, to get back. I got to be honest. I have no idea what the hell LeBron is disputing or if he's even disputing anything because to the best of my knowledge, I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff that gets said. So who LeBron was not clear necessarily what he was specifically responding to if there was anything specific at all. But I'll say this, nobody, whether you're talking about Chris Haynes, uh, for, uh, Chris Haynes or Dave McMenamin or Woj, nobody has put LeBron on any type of either definitive timetable or has even put him on any type of definitive return period. Like the, the most consistent thing that everybody has seen to, to say, and these are all very well-sourced reporters in particular, very well-sourced with the Lakers, that the hope is he could play the final few games of the regular season. And I got to be honest, Brian, I can tell you that the hope is he could play the last few games of the season. I don't need to ask anybody. Yeah. I mean, common sense says they are hoping he can play the final games of the season because otherwise right. what the F is he even doing all this rehab work for in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the most recent stuff was, I think it was Wednesday, McMenamin reported that he was aiming for the final week of the season, which, by the way, is the last few games of the season. Um, you know, it, I I don't know either. Um, I don't know if it was a specific thing that he saw or, horror, or heard or if he just wanted to put it out there. But like you said, there's not been any sort of sourcing of anything that is definitively different than what LeBron just said himself on Thursday afternoon. But I mean, Darvin I mean, Ham I, said I, that the workouts have been intense and they're going well. I, I don't know what LeBron would dispute from there. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's nothing in LeBron's tweet that actually contradicts anything that to the best of my knowledge has been said about him. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, it doesn't make me feel any less like he's going to try to play. I mean, like I, I feel like this is sort of just his version of the status quo um, messaging that's gone out. I take any kind of comment, um, even one that doesn't promise anything, where, you know, I will come back and play before the end of the year, something like that. Um I kind of take any statement about, you know, working towards it, like all these things as relatively encouraging that he thinks he's going to be able to play. Um, just because I feel like if you really weren't sure, really didn't think like, or thought it was like, I'm doing this. And I, you know, 70, 30 says I can't get anywhere near a court before the end of this. Like, I actually don't think he'd be making statements like this. And I think it would have leaked by now that is a good chance he might not be able to play. See, I don't know actually, because there have, you know, we're not too far removed from Brian Windhorst reporting um, on the hoop collective. I, I believe it was on the hoop collective, either that or one of the ESPN shows that 
he was somewhat, I don't even, pessimistic, maybe too strong, but concerned about LeBron getting back and that, you know, that. In fairness, Windhorse is always pessimistic and concerned about stuff. Right. But he's careful in the way he. That's his natural state is pessimism and concern. Sure. But he definitely is careful. And there's, there's been, there has been at times some concern. It has felt like outwardly from people covering this about LeBron's ability to come back. I actually had the opposite reaction of you. My reaction was the only reason for LeBron to speak up at all when all people are reporting is hopeful optimism is that he's concerned people are getting ahead of the horse, you know, the cart ahead of the horse at this point because he's not sure he's going to be back and he doesn't want to look like he's in a position of letting people down or not being willing to power through something because I don't see any real reason to come out looking like you're refuting positive reports unless you're not so sure that those positive reports are going to come to fruition. Yeah, I, I, maybe, I guess. But like, I, 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 think I just you'd don't have see to what the point it, is. It would just have to be, I guess you'd have to know exactly what it is he, was, he felt like he was refuting. Um, maybe it was like the idea that like maybe he felt in his reading that people were putting a number on the point of all this. That's really, it just gets to how, how thin the margin is. And like, like the, is it going to be three games of LeBron being back? Is it going to be four games of LeBron being back? Is it going to be one game? Is it going to be no games, but is, is, is he going to be back for the play it? Like all of this stuff, like each each way you move the LeBron meter in one direction or the other has such a profound impact on how you would categorize the team's odds in some of these games. Or like you know, they, they I think what are they seven and five since the injury? They've yes. performed pretty admirably yep. going into tonight's yep. game. But like you just wonder: is there a, a diminishing turn? Is there a point at which uh, it gets too challenging, or you know, you just run out of steam? I, I, you know, I, it really does. There is a difference between three games and two. There is a difference between two games and one, you know, and that's just kind of where we are. Okay. Actually two. And I had forgot to mention this um, when we were going through our rundown, but there was another wrinkle that was raised about LeBron's potential return, assuming this happens. And this had nothing to do with anything LeBron has tweeted out about, I don't know, complication that perhaps makes it uh not so obvious that you would even want lebron back on the court in the interesting first place. interesting we, can you tell me about that next i will tell you about that next after i also tell everybody about nissan and locked on lakers is brought to you by nissan and nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 nissan aria and the award goes to austin reeves it has been a hell of a week for Austin Reeves, who has been nothing short of electric. Career-high 35 points, 9 of 14 from the field, 6 of 18 from the line versus the Magic on Sunday. Then he gets put into the starting lineup. Wednesday helps fuel a critical win over the Phoenix Suns with 25 points, another 13 trips to the line. He's got deceptive power and strength to draw fouls with ferocity, but at the same time, he keeps defenders off balance with smooth, elegant footwork. The dude will be able to afford many Many Nissan Arias 
starting this offseason. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV. For people who love to drive, shop now at NissanUSA.com. So I uh, do want to also let you know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Uh, you had something else that was intriguing and interesting that you wanted to inject into this LeBron conversation, Andy. So uh, Jay Will on the ESPN show that I, I don't remember the exact name of it. It's the one with uh, Jay Will, uh, Max Kellerman, and Keyshawn Johnson. I think it's called like Jay Will, Max, and Key or something. Something like that. like that. He was talking about because, you know, Austin Reeves has become the the toast of the basketball world right now and the toast of L.A. And he's absolutely crushing it now in the starting lineup. And raised the idea of does bringing back LeBron possibly make this too complicated or disrupt a thing that's going well? Quote, when you bring back LeBron in this short period, how in the hell is Austin Reeves going to continue to play at this level? The ball is in Austin Reeves' hands a ton. You guys know the lather, the type of rhythm you get when the ball's in your hands, the amount of possessions, the volume of possessions. You feel way more comfortable with a rock now. End quote. Uh-huh. So in other words, uh-huh. this now being Austin Reeves' team and all, right. when you when you bring back LeBron, you know, like Austin Reeves is now Batman, uh, Anthony Davis, Robin, and LeBron Alfred. What <laughs> happens when Alfred wants the ball? Now, like Alfred is used to having the ball. How do you handle this, Brian? And I, I don't mean this disrespectfully. That is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's overthinking it. Yes. Uh, you know, is the, is, is, is Austin Reeves, like if you have Austin Reeves, if you have Austin Reeves on your fantasy team, I guess you're disappointed by that. Maybe Jay Will um, does. Maybe he does. Um, and that's just not how this works. I mean, like, he'll be, A, he'll be fine. He'll still put up excellent performances and whatever you won't need Reeves to put up 26 a game when LeBron is back. Hopefully, um, you know, the assist numbers will change this, and that, whatever. But I actually think the way things are going, Reeves will continue to play 34 minutes a game when, when LeBron is back, like the, you know, those minutes are going to come at the expense of someone else. Malik Beasley, maybe Rui for starters, yeah, for starters. Um, now that he's not a starter. Um, and I, I mean, look, we're all, look, we, we have spent a long time doing the sports ball talk, you know, you know, and, and not every opinion that we've ever put out as a winner. Um, both of us try really hard to think through things and, you know, is there an angle here that, you know, that isn't being talked about? Like, is there something that maybe people aren't considering and, and, and you think about it, and sometimes you put that angle out there, and sometimes you put it out there, you know, as as your opinion. And then later you realize that nobody else is putting it out there because it's not a good idea. You, you know <laughs> what's so funny LeBron, about you know LeBron? Is it is his is the overarching point? Could the Lakers face a little bit of adjustment time with LeBron coming back? Yes, the roster that will be playing is barely played together. Um, do you? allow that in any way to 
dissuade you from actually returning LeBron to the lineup? Oh, God, no. Here's actually, before we get to D'Angelo Russell and the things that he said after the win over the Suns Wednesday, if you want to look at, I think, real potential complications that could come from bringing LeBron back in and disrupting what you've been doing, it doesn't come from the offensive side of the ball, whether you're talking about LeBron's role or taking the ball out of Austin Reeves' hands more. The thing that actually I wonder about is, given how well this team has been defensively, and knowing that LeBron at this stage of his career, much less coming off a pretty significant injury. Foot yeah. injury. Yeah. Does this actually disrupt what they've been doing defensively? And how do you go about covering for the idea that LeBron is going to have to, even in the playoffs, as much as I know he's going to try to crank it up as much as he can, assuming the Lakers are in the playoffs, or these last couple regular season games, whatever, he still is going to be at a place where he has to pick his spots. So what do you do with that? I right. think that's actually... It's a, if, it's a legitimate question. If Jay Will was going to raise some type of what, what do you do when LeBron returns question, that's actually, I think, a more legitimate right. one than the idea of what do you do when LeBron starts running the offense? Right, and you and you you scheme for it, and you game plan for it, and you think of those things ahead of time, but you don't let it in any way even approach your brain that you're like, oh, maybe we should just let him like leave him out of the lineup. We got too much of a good thing right now, DMP, you know. PCD, right? You know, we'll see it. We'll see if he can crack the lineup again. But you know, <laughs> DNP disruptive, right? It's just sorry. It's just think it's. It'd be one thing if the Lakers had ripped off, you know, 14 wins in their last 16 games or something like that. It, but yeah, it, they haven't. I mean, Reeves is playing great. There's no question. But the team has performed admirably, but it's not like kicking everyone's ass up and down the NBA right now. I mean, they're doing as well as you could expect. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful that they're, you know, they're, they're still in it. Um, but, but let's, let's, I'm just real with what we're talking about here. I'm just thinking about the amount of wins that would be required to rip off for Darvin Ham and Rob Belinka to sit down with LeBron and let him know. I mean, look, El no how, many, how many of the Lakers win in a row? Like, and then, like Elgin retired or something like that. It's like 33, something like that. Right. And it's like, um, or then, you know, that happened at, right after, though, right? Isn't that how it worked? I think it was, I'm not, I don't remember. It was, yeah. it, it happened in the same season. I don't remember the exact order of, if uh, let's let's just say the Lakers are there seven and five since LeBron went out. Let's say they were twelve and zero. Let's say they were twelve and zero, and they went over their last nine games eight and one. So they are twenty and one since LeBron goes out and he comes back. That's not any hesitation putting him back in the lineup. That's not nearly enough. <laughs> the the, po the politics alone don't make twenty wins enough. It, I mean. The politics and common sense, but the politics alone don't make it enough. Oh, all right. Uh, let's talk about D'Angelo Russell. I had some really interesting stuff to say. I, I, I misspoke. I said after practice, um, uh, but it was obviously after the game, uh, correct, on uh, yes. Wednesday night. So um, Lakers have a huge decision to make with D'Angelo Russell this offseason. Russell has a huge decision to make about the Lakers. Um, and it's all 
a little more complicated than it might seem on the surface. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Ibotta and you're buying groceries, doing a little school shopping for the kids, maybe getting something for yourself and you're already spending money. So why not get some cash back for your troubles with Ibotta? You earn cash back on every shopping trip from grocery items to produce to personal care, pantry goods, either link to your loyalty account or upload your receipt after your shop and you get cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks a year in real cash back groceries you can get two and a half times that in real cash back from ibotta and again this is cash back not points that let's be honest nobody ever uses you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brand online brands and retailers including lowe's macy's sephora best buy and more right now ibotta is offering our listeners five bucks for just trying ibotta using the code locked when you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. And again, use that code LOCKED. Okay, so the uh, by the way, the Lakers uh, officially get the favor paid to them by the Clippers. Clippers beat the Thunder 127-105 on Thursday. Nice. They moved 39 and 35, I believe the Clippers are, and the Thunder now are in the giant group of team in the Western Conference with 37 losses. Um, D'Angelo Russell is likely to make probably somewhere in the 20 to 25 million dollar range, I would think. Um, I'm not great mm-hmm. at this game, but uh, that certainly seems like you know the sort of the starting point here. Um, with the Lakers this offseason or someone else, the Lakers have expressed interest in um D'Angelo Russell coming back. D'Angelo Russell has shown interest in the same, um, but had some really interesting comments about that um, after Wednesday's game and about his maturity, about returning to LA, about whether or not he feels home here yet. Um, and you know, given how it, how he left and the circumstances around him leaving, I found all of it to be really fascinating. Yeah, when asked about how he's evolved and matured since his first stint, like in terms of off the court and how that's affected him on the court, he said, quote, I'm just at peace, to be honest. I've been at peace for a long time. So coming into any environment, I'm already me as much as I can possibly be, and I'm comfortable with it. And then when I was here, first time around, people judged me off being young and being, and so going back and looking back at interviews and watching how I interacted and things like that, I've seen ways that I can grow and not make a distraction on my image. That allowed me to kind of lock into it. And also, I've always been good at basketball. So now people notice that and I don't have distractions off the court and things like that. He was then asked if he feels at home here. And he said, not yet. Then asked why. He said, I'm a free agent this summer. Been traded midseason. So to get comfortable here, it's not easy for me. So until I am, I won't be comfortable. And that's not the answer that I think people would have expected him to give. I think, oh, I, you know, I'm just so happy to be back and I'm feeling great and like we're playing well and it's a great team. And because he's talked about how, you know, give me a training camp, give us a training camp, sky's the limit, all that stuff. And also, um, too, we're used to hearing like guys show up with a new team, like either as free agents or, you know, getting traded there or whatever. And it's like their opening press conference and they talk about wanting to be there for the next forever. five years. And yeah. it's like, you've been here an afternoon. You have no idea. And what I think it reflects with, with D'Lo is he's, he's made, I, I mean, 
couple hundred million almost close to it at this point or you know 150 million made a lot of money in the nba at this point um and he's made an all-star team and he's not a rookie anymore and he's kind of his level in the league is sort of set um but one thing he has never had is any kind of stability because when he was with the Lakers, it was, you know, it wasn't too long before the expectation was that he was going to go somewhere else. Like, you know, Lakers are going to find somewhere else for him to be. Some of it might have felt deserved at the time, some of it not, but either way, that's what it was. And then he goes to to Brooklyn next. And there's sort of the expectation that you know he makes an all-star team there, but you know, that may not be his forever home either. And he ends up signing the, you know, it's the 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 deal with no, no, he got traded to Golden Tra- State. Traded Golden State. I thought that part of a sign. It was part of a sign, sign of a trade. sign and trade to get with the max deal, right? Right, but yeah, he's he is aware when he's doing this because D'Angelo is not stupid, and because it's well reported, Golden State's interest in him. You know, they obviously wanted it to work out if they could, but they were skeptical. It was really about maintaining a salary slot when Kevin Durant left because they knew if Durant leaves for nothing. We can't do anything with what was his salary Correct. spot, and that's, and that's what I was going to get. That's what I was getting to, which is, you know, he signs, you know, essentially a max deal, you know, to go play with the Warriors. But it wasn't any; there wasn't stability there either. He wasn't seen as like a foundational piece in the way that you would think somebody getting that money would be. Um, and then you know he ends up in Minnesota, which was the in- inevitable result of the situation in. Golden State, where he was never going to be there forever, and then Minnesota moves him here when you know when when he's when he's up to be a free agent this offseason. So I mean, you know, he's he's done well. He's established himself. He's going to be in the league for a while. He's made a ton of money, and he's going to make even more. But he's never had a home, and so I completely understand why he would not be willing to dive all in on the sort of reports the Lakers are interested in keeping him around. Like, no, I'm keeping my options open. I'm not saying, you know, I'm staying here. I'm not doing any of that. Like I, I, and I, and I respect him for answering the question, honestly. Well, you know, it's not even just keeping his options open, although I'm, I'm sure he is. It's also about keeping your guard up. He was a second overall pick. There was a lot of hype around him when the Lakers took him. He got moved for the shiny new thing in Lonzo. I don't say that to detract from Lonzo because I think if he had stayed healthy, Lonzo could be a hell of a player. But there was also a lot of hype around Lonzo. Mm -hmm. And that was a, we are going to excite the fan base with this pick selection that the Lakers telegraphed they were going to be doing for like six months. Right, and Magic slagged D'Lo pretty hard on the way out the door. Yes, he did, in ways that were not Wildly unnecessary. Right. Uh, Frankly, unprofessional on Magic's part. Even again, acknowledging certain things that D'Angelo needed to do better, needed to grow up. There's a lot you can learn from that and a lot that can make you feel jaded, not even in a bad way, but in a way that makes sense. I think Russell to me is a great, it's like, I I don't know D'Angelo. We were around, we covered those teams when he was in, you know, first got here, but it was a long time ago. And I don't know the guy, not in any meaningful way. Um, And, you know, the stuff that he got 
you know, the, the cell phone stuff and the Nick young stuff or whatever, like, yeah, I mean, that was immature and you should have done it and whatever. But like, I, I, I look, I still always look at Nick young as the primary, uh, culprit for the problems that eventually befell Nick young because of these things. Um, but sports are weird because it's the, it's really one of the, it's like the only profession I can think of that when you are 19 and essentially getting your first job, you are supposed to be there and behave and perform and all this as if you were 48 years old and, you know, had been in your job for 25 years and it really worked with, and the tolerance for like non, I'm not talking about like some people do things that are like, you know what, you're 18, you're 19, you're 20, you're 22. I, it doesn't matter. Like these are things you just can't do like really bad things, genuinely terrible things. But like what Delo did wasn't bad. It was 20 year old stuff. It was 19 year old stuff. It was things like that. And we just, we are remarkably intolerant of stuff like that from athletes uh, particularly in the NBA, when 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 these things happen, and it's another one of these places where the context of sports is so different than anywhere else in the world, because nowhere else are you expected to be your fully realized professional self at nineteen. Um, and just it, it context matters, environment matters. You take the same D'Angelo Russell appearing in the same. You know, same age, going to a different organization with different expectations, where Lonzo Ball isn't an option. Two years later, all the everything turns, everything could turn out differently. Well, it's also it's also contextually it's important to remember too, in terms of D'Angelo's development early with the Lakers, his rookie season was Kobe's final year mm-hmm. in the farewell tour, and the amount of true attention paid and development towards. Russell and Randall and Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. It was non-existent. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it really was. They, they, you know, they would play one game. Kobe was there. Everything revolves around him. They play another two games. Kobe's not available. Not even sure what you're supposed to be doing out there. Like, it, it was a very herky-jerky, helter-skelter year. And all of those guys understood why Kobe was getting this treatment and they all thought rightly that Kobe had earned it and deserved it. And he, you want to see Kobe go out celebrated the way that he was, but in terms of what it meant for these young guys and particularly D'Angelo in his rookie year, trying to figure out what the NBA is all about doesn't help. No, it definitely does not help. Um, so it's just, it's, it's interesting. And you know, there are so many times when you, when you see these things, I've told the story about Kobe and talked to him about like, what if he'd gotten drafted by other people and like the, the what ifs and the sliding doors and all that with sports are, are infinite, but it's also just, it is a reminder. He has always been a reminder to me of how strange um, the sports world is, you know, right down to everyone getting really upset when people won't put their physical health 
uh, online, you know, on the line for their entertainment. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, anyway, locked on Lakers on you. A quick update I, I mentioned before, there were a lot of teams in the Western Conference that will wake up on Friday with 37 losses. Uh, the technical term for that, Andy, is one, two, three, four, five, six teams. Six teams in the West with 37 losses. Damn. That's crazy. Yes, so the, the Timberwolves at number seven are 37 and 37. The Jazz at, uh, that is 12 are 35 and 37. So they have the two games in hand um, <laughs> and everyone else in between one game moves you a lot in one direction or another Lakers still only a game and a half behind the golden state warriors for the sixth spot. Uh, anyway, locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show. Uh, we'll be back after Friday's episode for a, our Friday's game for a bonus episode. Uh, we'll see everybody then. <laughs>